you know, turn the notifications off, go to the Bible. We're gonna go to Ephesians chapter one. Now, let me lay a framework for this because we just went through the entire book of, of James line by line. We are now going to go from, see, we're doing a series, Refresh, Renew, Renew, Refresh, and it's leading up to Palm Sunday. And the reason why this is important is because we're gonna go through the entire book of Ephesians together now, from now till Palm Sunday. And it is going to be one of the most riveting. I mean, this second half, I believe God's gonna take you deep in the word. Now, let me just say this, because we're about to do something special right now. I have an obligation to preach the word of God and I need to go deep. And so it, here's my thing. If you don't understand something I'm saying, go back throughout the week, watch it over. And you know, even a little kid who has two teeth in their mouth, if you cut up steak small enough, can still figure out how to chew it down. So I'm not serving milk for the next several weeks. I'm serving meat. And if you haven't eaten meat yet, then you cut it up into smaller pieces in the week and figure out how to gobble it down. Because I think the United States has suffered from pastors dumbing themselves down for baby Christians. So let's switch over to the meat for the next couple of weeks. Are y'all with me? Even if you don't understand me, just pretend like you do. And then Monday, watch it over again and, and figure it out. All right? Next. I believe that the next big revival that we need in America is a Bible revival. A Bible revival. And that, you know, Bible revivals are gonna look different, but what would, it, what would happen if as the body of Christ, we became obsessed with the word of God? What would happen if we read the word of God every day? What if we just, what if I was teaching the word and you were eating the word and we were learning the word? So I'm believing for a Bible revival. The Bible talks about in the end times, people will not endure sound doctrine. They will have itching ears. So I also wanna warn you that when you preach the way I'm gonna be preaching and you teach the way I'm gonna be teaching, there are gonna be people who seek other churches and other preachers and other ministries because what we're gonna do is get into the hard things. And a lot of times people say, well, I wanna be encouraged. I wanna give me a prophecy, give me a word of God. But there's something about just sitting at the feet of Jesus, going through every line of the book of Ephesians that is going to do something in your soul. And it often may not provoke an emotional response like when you've sat under other preaching, but then in days and weeks later, you'll begin to see such a significant change in your life that you'll say, wow, surely the word of God has done its work. So I also want to caution you against yielding to the temptation of going to, you know, like itching ears, going to hear what you want to hear versus what God is trying to say to you. Last thing, we're going to reverence the reading of the word and we're going to create a moment right now. And the best way I can describe this moment, bring, bring that chair again. And then Chris, you could be my assistant. Thank you so much. Okay, so you sit there. You're a Gentile. I'm a Jew. And the experience that I had reading Ephesians, and I mean, I wept and wept and wept and wept for hours and hours. It almost felt as if the Apostle Paul sat across from me. I was, it was in my office and it was almost as if he sat across from me and I could hear him reading this to me. 
Now, of course, it's the inspired word of God, which means it's infallible, it's perfect. The Holy Spirit gave this to Paul, amen? But it's simply undeniable that you, that Paul put a flavor on it because it's his letter. Just in the same way that we read the book of James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, of course, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there was James' flavor, his personality, kind of woven into the tapestry of the book of James. So in the same way, you're gonna hear Paul in the midst of him trying to communicate the Holy Spirit. Does this make sense? So it almost felt like Paul was sitting across from me, literally reading this to me. Now, how many of you were raised in a Christian home? Okay. Now, amongst all of us who were raised in a Christian home, how many of you felt like you were raised with 100% unadulterated Christian lifestyle, Christian values? Raise your hand. Wow. Now, how many of you feel like it was a form of Christianity, but probably not really dead on target of what it should be? Okay, this is perfect. I did hear from the Lord. Paul was speaking to the Ephesians and what he's trying to say is, hey, you're a Gentile and there's a way that your dad lived. There's a way that your grandpa lived. There's a way that your mom lived and your grandmother, but you can't live like them at all. You're gonna have to live a completely different life. And as a matter of fact, Chris, the more you begin to be conformed to this, the less they're gonna recognize you. Matter of fact, they might talk about you. They might even call you crazy. But the more you become like this, the less you're gonna be identifiable to the Ephesians. I know you're a Gentile, but Jesus gave you access to become adopted into this family. And you're every bit a part of this family than all these other Jews you see that have also accepted Christ. Because hey, in Christ, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile slave nor free, male nor female, we're all one. But I wanna teach you how to live this life because you've been taught by everyone else how to live an Ephesian life. That is just the way I try to recreate. That's what was happening to me for the last several weeks in preparation for today. So thank you for this first part. Maybe I'll bring it back in, in the end. So my, I'm gonna attempt now to read the entire first chapter And as I read it, I want to allow the Holy Spirit to encounter you with the Word. And I want you to get a revelation of what He's trying to say to you. So I'm gonna ask across every campus that it's completely silent. Sometimes the camera people have to communicate when they're switching angles. That's okay. But I want the rest of you to be completely silent. I want you to hear the Word and I want you to receive a revelation of it. So across every campus, can you rise to your feet Have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter one. And then we're gonna reverence the reading of the Holy Scriptures. The Bible is holy. It's holy and the word holy means separate. It means it's completely distinct from every book you've ever read because it was inspired by God. And and, and there's something about reverencing the word. So I want you to turn up the sound system. I want you to turn up the guitar at every location, turn up the guitar. If you have to turn my voice up, turn it up. 
and we're gonna set an atmosphere of worship. The first chapter of Ephesians is a poem. And so I'm gonna read it to you because I believe that as a poem, there was something that he was trying to do. There was a significance to the fact that it was a poem. And so, yeah, turn up the music a little bit more. Let's just saturate. Come on, give me a little bit more on the guitar, a little bit more on the keys. Yeah, come on, lift it up a little. Don't be afraid to push that fader. We all used to go to the club back in the day. Ain't nobody gonna get hurt. Come on, a little bit more. I'm gonna read Ephesians chapter one and ask that the Holy Spirit make this real to you and that it's a seed that gets deposited on the inside of you the word of God declares that his word will never come back void. It will always accomplish that which it was assigned to accomplish. The Bible also declares of itself that it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it divides asunder the soul from the spirit. And so as I begin to read, it's gonna come out of my mouth as a sword to divide asunder your feelings and your mind from your spirit. Let's read. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Come on, let's meditate on the word. Let's dwell on what he just revealed to us. Let's take a moment to acknowledge what he just said to us. Now, I just want to take 30 seconds and offer thanksgiving to the Lord. Because if you're saved, you just heard that scripture. And as it began to hit your ears, you were reminded of your salvation. So we're just going to take 30 seconds and thank him. Think about who you were before Jesus. Think about where you were at before Jesus. Think about what you used to think and how you used to live your life. And just take a few moments and just say, Father, thank you. Father, I praise you. Father, I worship you. Father, thank you for an inheritance. Lord, those who have gone before me have died and left nothing, but you died and left everything for me, God. And I thank you for that, that wonderful inheritance, an inheritance of peace, an inheritance of, of long suffering and patience, an inheritance of kindness and gentleness and meekness, God, an inheritance. Lord, we thank you. Yeah, come on, just take a few more moments. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Go ahead, you can take your seats. What a powerful moment. Wow. How many of you felt something different, like an encounter with the Lord during that moment? I looked around and I, it was so incredible because I saw people of every age weeping, people of every color weeping, male and female weeping, just responding to the word. 
So what I'm gonna do is take a few moments to break down what we read so you can come into a greater understanding. And I also feel that it's, impro- it's appropriate to give you context. And this is going to be a powerfully prophetic word for you because the scripture is always prophetic because the Bible has a way of reading us when we read the Bible. The Bible has a way of revealing what's hidden and making it known, exposing and laying things bare so that God can deal with it. And so I'm thankful for the word of God. How many of you wanna have a deeper diligence and a faithfulness and consistency to read the word? Isn't it amazing that you can be so tired and yet somehow find the strength to scroll on your phone for hours past your bedtime. But if you try to apply that same diligence and same faithfulness to reading the word, you're gonna fall asleep immediately. Maybe that's what we need to do. Start reading the Bible to fall asleep at night. I don't know. But I've been really just falling in love. You know, probably I shouldn't even say this because you're gonna think I'm a weirdo, but I'm gonna say it anyways. You know, when I was growing up, we were, they, you know, we were hillbillies. We were hood rat hillbillies, like ghetto hillbilly. If you're like, what was the brand? You know, what was it? It was ghetto hillbilly. I don't know if that makes any sense. Somebody knows what I'm talking about though. Ghetto hillbillies. <laughs> and so somebody just raised their hand. Me. Uh, and, and so as a ghetto hillbilly, I just remember people were just ignorant. And ignorant is not the same as stupid. Ignorant just means they just didn't know. They lack knowledge. They, you know, and so we would say warshrag and y'all and, you know, everything to us was pop. And if you're a real hillbilly, it was Coke. Everything was Coke, not pop, definitely not soda. And we were just like ghetto hillbillies. And so when I first fell in love with the Bible was really when I was a preteen coming into teens. And as I was in my teen years, I remember actually reading the scriptures and it, it felt like I was having a conversation with the wisest person I had ever met in my life. And it was so refreshing to me because I felt like I could never get good advice from people. I felt like I never, it's like they would, you'd ask anyone in my family, how do I get through this? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. We haven't figured it out in 57 generations in this family. <laughs> <laughs> that's really how it felt growing up. I'm going through something hard. Well, I don't know. You will get some ice cream? <laughs> no, I want my life to change, man. Well, okay, we'll get McDonald's too. <laughs> it's like every single time I felt like I needed help. Like, I don't know how to help you. I'm going through it too. We're all broke around here. We're all so, you know, that's how it felt growing up. So I would read the word And it really was mind-blowing to me. I think that's why for me, as Christians, I think one of the problems with modern American church is that, and this is one of the evidences that we don't read the Bible and we don't read it enough, is our first reflex is to go talk to somebody instead of consulting the word. 
And, and I, I could feel that, you know, I, I just needed to talk to somebody. Uh, yeah, talk to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel. Like, like I know you got, a, you got 66 people you can talk to about your problem and they're all here waiting for you. But I, I just needed to confide in them. Yeah, but what are you hiding and confiding in the secret place? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, are you taking your secrets to the secret place? Are you taking your secrets to a conversation? And by the way, they can only impart to you the measure of freedom that they have but all freedom has been imparted into these pages. So, and it doesn't mean, you know, I, well, pastor said, I can't tell you what I'm going through. <laughs> it's not what I mean. I said your first reflex. What, what if you started going for people for confirmation instead of counseling? What if you started to go, oh, come on now, I'm coming. You know what I mean? So I think for us, we gotta become people of the word. So let's talk about Ephesians 1. So I just read it in its entirety. Now, I'm gonna give you a little sneak preview because this is like Netflix where you kind of like can see all the episodes and you could binge watch all the episodes if you want. So by all means, this week, you could read the whole book of Ephesians if you want to. It's all right there for you. You don't have to wait for me. But I will tell you this. You all know the scriptures that talk about putting on the full armor of God? You all know that? That might be the only part of Ephesians you really know. It's at the end. When we get there, it's gonna blow your mind because you probably have never been taught the book of Ephesians in the totality of its context, both historically and the intention of the author, which is Paul. And what's gonna happen when you finally get to the full armor of God is your head's gonna explode. Are you ready for that? <laughs> it's going to hit different, you know? So imagine being in Netflix and you watch the last episode first. That's the equivalency of studying the armor of God, but skipping the first three and four chapters. Does this make sense? Oh, okay. Also, before I do this, I am going to viciously attack you with words. So I just want to warn you up front. I love you. We blamed it on James. Now we're going to blame it on Paul. But what, in order for me to do my job in the next 12 minutes, I have to assault you. Is that all right? Okay, because like I can't hold back on you. And just know if I ever cut you, I already cut, I stabbed myself in the same area. And then after I did it, I was like, oh man, this feels good. I guess that was cancer in there. <laughs> I thought it was my spleen. So here's the thing, like I'm only gonna cut you in ways that I allowed the Lord to cut myself and I'm only gonna rebuke you in ways that the Lord rebuked me first. Are we all on the same page now? Okay, let's talk about the Ephesians. So the Ephesians were a group of people and when you say Ephesians, it's just like saying Americans. We are a group of people and we're incredibly diverse. A New York American and an Indiana American is a different American, but they're also in many ways the same American. You all pick up on what I'm putting down? So Ephesians were incredibly diverse, but there were commonalities among their culture. And so here's what we do know about the Ephesians. They were polytheistic. Poly, the prefix means many. So they served many gods, polytheistic, gods and goddesses. They also had a hyper-awareness 
of demonic entities or evil forces in the atmospheres of their life. And they were very superstitious. So the Ephesian people, they believe that if you get sick, it's because a demon did it. If you, if your marriage dissolved, like, you know, your relationship with, with a spouse, a demon did it. If you experienced poverty, a demon did it. And they didn't necessarily use the word demon, but it was like an evil entity, an evil force. Are you with me? And they, they, they were not Christians. They were pagans. Are you with me still? Okay, I'm making sure I break this down in layers. So the Ephesian people, so if you were to go to Ephesus and we could put you in a time machine, you'd be walking around and you would see shrines to these gods and goddesses that were represented as like statues all over the place. And you would see people going to these places where they would be exchanging money and they were trying to escape the unintended consequence of, of these demons around them and these gods and goddesses all interacting in such a way that there was a negative consequence to their life. So their superstition was such that they were willing to give money. They were willing to do different actions. Some of them were even sexual, like orgies and things of that nature in the form of sacrifice. And so there's rampant uh, sexual promiscuity there was money being spent in mass to try to appease these deities, these gods and goddesses. Now, amongst all those gods and goddesses, the highest ranking one was a female goddess called Artemis. And this comes from the Greek tradition. Artemis being a female deity, she was known for fertility as well as agricultural blessing. So what that simply means is like in the ancient times, you had high value as a woman, the more kids you can have, because the more kids you can have, the bigger the farmhands, the num bigger number of farmhands to like sort of work the land, and then the greater military might that your particular nation had to defend itself. So women who were fertile carried high value in the ancient times because they were producing like workers and soldiers. Does this make sense? So now you understand that to be infertile in ancient times was like a, as if it was a curse upon you and your family. Does this make sense? Now you see why Hannah, this is like cross-reference, is almost like drunk in the temple before the priest named Eli, just begging God, please let me have a kid because it wasn't like today where people are like, oh, I just wanna have two kids, one kid. It was looked at as the more children you have, the greater value you have. So to, have, to be able to have no kids would have made you basically worthless in their society as a woman. Does this make sense? And so Hannah is begging, please, please God, show that my life could have some value. And obviously she was impregnated uh, and then gave birth to Samuel who became one of the greatest prophets of the nation of Israel. So now that's in the Jewish context. Now understand in Ephesus, there, these people think very similarly. So they're saying like these deity gods and goddesses, are they gonna, are, you know, are they gonna actually inhibit the rain? And so from an agricultural standpoint, there's a drought and we all starve. Or are they gonna release abundance, right? And they're, you know, am I gonna be fertile and have many kids or am I only gonna have a few kids? And they believe that all this is interaction with demons and deities. Now, what I just described to you in so many ways is how many Christians approach Christianity. And I wanna deconstruct the entire notion 
that what you are doing by showing up for Sunday attendance, by giving your money in the offering, by joining a connect group, by being in the dream team is earning the favor of God Almighty. You cannot earn God's favor because for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Jesus Christ, who's referred to as the second Adam, was born of a virgin named Mary, lived a completely sinless life, and then he was murdered on a cross for our sins, becoming the perfect sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish, and then three days later was resurrected from the dead. And that ensured that if you say yes, you will receive salvation, you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit, and you receive an inheritance that you never should have received. And whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you simply confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Messiah and you receive what you should, what you should have died for and, you sh and, and literally he earned it for you. And then guess what? You never could have earned it yourself. And that is called salvation. So that's why when we fast, we're not fasting to change God's heart. We're fasting so that he changes ours. See, we are not political prisoners holding a hunger strike in hopes that when we fast, the Lord gives us what we want. We are sons and daughters that have received an inheritance that we were simply unable with the total sum of all of our actions to ever receive on our own. And in response to that, when you increase in your awareness of the futility of all of your actions to actually satiate the wrath of God, you say, God, I will give you my entire life and everything that comes through it, knowing that I can never repay you. But I understand one ounce, one iota of the significance of your sacrifice. So I will show up to church every Sunday. I will give in the offering. I will join a team, not because it pays you back, but because I'm aware I can't. That is the gospel. So we are not saved by works, but understanding what it means to be saved will produce works. This is the meat. Because let me give you the definition of paganism. This is the definition of paganism. Paganism is doing a series of actions. Paganism is doing a series of actions that satisfy the desires or the standards of a deity to remove the consequences of their response. That's, that's paganism. Native Americans, you know, and it's kind of a joke, uh, you know, the whole, we're going to do a rain dance. And the concept was there, we're interacting with supernatural spiritual beings. What could we offer? Mayan culture, human sacrifice. Let's rip their heart out of their chest while it's still beating. These are the ways of pagan people. What can I give? What can I offer? 
How can I satiate this angry God? How can I satisfy this, this God? How can I stop them from inflicting me with this? Or these demons, what can I do to make them go away? And, and how much money do I have to give? What, who do I have to sleep with? You know, Molech was a deity that they sacrificed children to. They murdered their, their babies so that Molech would be satiated. The spirit of Molech is still in the earth today. It's called abortion. Appeasing a deity so that you can continue to live however you want to live. See, this, this is a spiritual battle. Now, now, Artemis, when you talk about this goddess over fertility and agriculture, it's the same thing. And the spirit of Artemis is still in the earth today. And we have to become aware of that. And I think that the spirit of Artemis, this is my thesis of my entire message, is, is masquerading around as a false Jesus. So follow me. All of your good works are filthy rags before God. When we clothe ourselves in righteousness, we are simply choosing to accept the gift that Jesus gave us. So it's not our righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ Jesus upon us. It's not our favor, it's the favor that God has upon Jesus and it's Jesus' blood covering us that provokes his favor. Are y'all with me? Without Jesus, we are nothing. Without Jesus, we experience the worst kind of death. It's not the death of your body. It's the death of your soul. Without Jesus, we are nothing apart from the vine. Come on, doesn't it all start making sense now? We are the branches, but apart from the vine, we are nothing. It's all, it's, it's all hinging on Jesus. But when you say, how much do I have to give financially? What do I have to do? Now imagine this, let's go back to Ephesus because I'm gonna keep just drilling down on this. Now you're in Ephesus and these people are aware of demons and, and these entities. And okay, so now imagine all of these little statues and each statue represents another deity. And they're going to these statues and they're putting money down by the statue and they're praying to the statue. They're talking to the statue. They're hoping that the statue that represents the deity hears and responds and changes something. This should concern you. Because if that's biblical definition of paganism, and, and I say this with all sincerity, not, not to get views and clicks, and, but I, I know probably I'll get canceled for what I'm about to say, because every time I talk like this, I get canceled on the internet. So I'm willfully accepting the consequences of ruin, ruining my week next week to make the statement I'm about to make. But when you have a whole bunch of statues in Ephesus and each statue represents a, a deity and you're putting money down by that statue and you're talking to that statue and soliciting it to do something on your behalf, how did I not just explain Catholicism?
I just wanna set you free from the spirit of religion. You don't have to pray to a saint. Your job is to accept Christ to become one. Paul was a murderer who said yes to Jesus, who was credited citizenship to become a saint. Peter denied Jesus three times, but then said yes to Jesus, became an apostle, and it was credited to him to be a saint. The point is not to pray to saints, it's to accept the finished work of Jesus Christ to become a saint. And I don't need the intercession of people who have died because I have the intercession of the one who died but rose again on the third day and he intercedes for me. He is my high priest. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and he is the one that prays for me. I have someone praying for me and his name is Jesus. He's the only one, my advocate. The one that has enabled me the freedom to go boldly to the throne. You understand that in the old covenant, they tied a rope around that Levite priest's waist and that, that rope with a little bell on it was intended to ensure that if that priest walked past the veil into the Holy of Holies, if there was sin in that priest's life, if there was something that was incompatible with the Holy Presence, the manifest glory, the Shekinah of God in that place, then he would literally be killed in an instant and they would pull on that rope and they would pull that priest out from past that veil dead. That's why I worship the way I worship because I could have died for worshiping like how I worship today. You don't just get to play with the glory. The glory isn't something that happens at a Pentecostal conference because everybody's happy. The glory is the manifest presence of a holy God and you can't even stand in that glory without dying because of your mortal body. We've been playing with the glory. Oh, I want a, a, a cloud of gold dust. No, you need a rebuke and you need to sit down and come into a greater awareness of what it costs to let you peek behind that veil to have chills running up your backside in service. This is healthy for you. I mean, there were men that entertained the presence of God and literally had to be pulled out by a rope because they died in the midst of it. And we'll sit there and worship after Jesus died so that we could enter into the Holy of Holies and we'll stand there like this. I don't feel like it today. I don't know if I believe this stuff. Oh, may the lamb be worthy of the suffering that was required from Mike Signorelli and all my filth and all my shame and all my failure just to have in part, just a droplet, just a little bit of the foretaste of his glory. Oh, I would consider myself so, so lucky just to be able to crawl underneath with one pinky to touch that realm. There's gotta be an increase of honor of the Lord. And what happened in this pagan realm of Ephesus was the Christians made a mistake of adding to their God. See, this is where we're at as a people. The Ephesians were so obsessed with a demon consciousness 
that when they found out that there were Christians who cast out demons, guess who they started seeking out? Christians. And that's why I tell people I'm not a deliverance ministry because they'll turn me into a pagan priest in a second. You can't pay for a deliverance session at V1 Church because Jesus already paid for it in full. Anytime somebody asks you to sow a seed to get a, give a prophetic word, you better run in the opposite direction because you can't pay for a prophecy when Jesus paid with his blood so that we can receive the mind of God migrating into the mind of man. Prophecy is only available because it was paid in full. You cannot prophesy without Jesus finishing it all. And, and here's the problem we have is you got people making ministries off of Ephesian Christians that are willing to pay money to have have an experience, but the only experience you need is with Jesus and the people that he gave to the body. And there is no money being exchanged for that, which he paid for completely. When I, I remember that when I offered the breakers for free, I had prominent ministers from across the United States reaching out to me. Hey bro, this is not a good look. I'm like, for me or for you? And they said, well, you know, I know that you're, you're teaching people how to cast out demons and prophesy and, and how to evangelize and you're not charging any money. I, I see that you're doing it for free. I said, yeah, freely I receive, freely I give. Uh, I mean, I don't understand how you could justify charging somebody. Why is that important to say? I'm not undermining the people that do. I'm simply trying to say there's a difference between asking people if they would sow a seed than making people feel that they need to in order to receive. Why, why am I bringing it down so heavy today? Because there's people that are seeking to be alleviated from demons, not seeking to be invited into the presence of Jesus. See, the emphasis here, the reason why demons manifest when I minister is because they hate Jesus inside of me. Demons are not intimidated by Mike Signorelli, but I carry and host the Holy Spirit and I do everything in my life not to grieve him. If you've ever gotten rebuked by me, if you've been on a leadership team or you've been on, and you've ever received correction, it wasn't because I was mad at you. It's because I was saying, oh, oh don't, don't act like that because I'm hosting the Holy Spirit. I don't want to grieve him. His presence matters more than yours. I'd kick you out in a second, but I can't do anything that would diminish the reality of his presence in our lives. What happened? as Christians to us having an awareness of his presence. And these Ephesians were so obsessed with the presence of demons that they would seek Christians who would alleviate them from the demon, but not want Jesus. But when you have Jesus, you have it all. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. See, doesn't it, isn't it hitting different? Now watch this. But he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Hey, hey, Ephesians, I know you're putting money down by the statue, but can I remind you that God, through the one that he loves named Jesus, has freely given you the grace, what you think you're seeking for. He's, you don't have to do that. Now you know why they killed 
all the first century apostles because they were destroying financial systems. They were destroying religious systems. It's like everything about the way that the apostles preached and taught people to live was antithetical to the culture around them. So that's why I say I know in the very least I can share by being canceled on Monday by the Catholics. But Jesus didn't die to create a religious system that makes you feel that the more you do and the more you give, the more you earn. That's not how this thing works, baby. And you know why you get religions? It's not because people are evil. It's because people are so used to providing for themselves that they don't know how to receive. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm helping you. I'm helping you. And it makes more sense to earn it than it does to receive it because you go to work and you earn a check, but the wages of sin is death. But the gift, oh, it's all making sense now. See, being a son or a daughter is about receiving. It, it, it being a worker is about earning. And so he's trying to shift you from earning to receiving. Oh, I know, I, I, little, I can see strongholds coming down in minds. Because some of you are like, oh, I get it, God. I'm not good enough. That's why this hasn't happened. Oh, I get it, God. I don't pray enough. I don't read the Bible enough. Oh, I get it, God. I need to increase my tithe. Oh, I get it, God. And you're doing this. And God's like, hey, hey, can you stop treating me like a deity and start treating me like a father? Father. Father. You know, Jesus was the first rabbi to show up with a new revelation that the Jews had never heard. And it was with one word, Abba. They said, hey, you're our rabbi, teach us how to pray. And you know what he said? Say, start like this, Abba. See, that's the original word, Abba, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, you all have said that prayer a million times. You don't understand how scandalous it was. If a Jew heard another Jew say the word Abba in, re in, in response to God, it was scandalous. What? You, we can't get that close to him. I mean, even the Levite priest has to wear a rope tied around his waist. And if he did something wrong in his life and there's sin, he doesn't, start. but you're trying to say, I can talk to him like dad, Abba, I can crawl up into his lap. I can actually hear his heartbeat. I can actually talk to him. What do you mean I'm afraid of him? Jesus said, no, no, because I'm here, you're gonna sit in his lap. You're gonna hear his heartbeat. You're literally going, matter of fact, some of you are gonna be prophets and apostles and evangelists. And I mean, it was revolutionary what Jesus was doing. And then the apostle shows up to the, the church of Ephesus and he's just reinstalling the DNA of the kingdom. And he's trying to help them understand God is not like Artemis. He will do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think, ask, or imagine. You come to those little statues just hoping that they'll help with one thing, but the God of the universe will begin to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think, ask, or imagine. He's so much better than you can ever imagine. Oh, you'll see, the book of Ephesians is gonna change you. Let me read this as we get ready to close. I pray that the eyes of your heart, verse 18, 
may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Watch, 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 it's so good. They would have this belief in in Ephesus that there were all these deities and the deities were like these spiritual forces that had rankings. Oh, and there's Artemis that's above all of them. And, and then there's this one and this one, and they go all the way down to the lower ranking to the higher ranking. And Paul is literally saying, no, there's a name above every name. There's a name higher than all those names that you evoke. Above all of them is one name, and his name is Jesus, and you are directly connected to him. And everything you think you need is an inheritance that he will release to you. It's good news. It's better news than Santeria. It's better news than witchcraft. What is witchcraft? I'll tell you what witchcraft is. It's an attempt, I'm going, what do I have to say? What do I have to spend? Who do, what do I, what formula do I follow to produce this outcome? Oh, I'm gonna fast and then God's gonna give me a spouse. No, that's a formula that you, your fasting just turned to witchcraft. Oh, oh, I'm going to fast so I finally get a new job. No, your fasting just turned to a formula. It's witchcraft. You can't play God like that. Better first, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and then all these things will be added unto you. It doesn't say don't seek a spouse. It says don't speak a, a spouse. Don't seek a spouse first. It doesn't say don't try to get a house. It just says don't prioritize because if God isn't first, he's last. Seek first the kingdom, then all these things. So fasting is not a formula. Fasting is God. I think I want this, but what do you want for me? I think I want a spouse, but is there some rejection I need to deal with? Is there some loneliness that I've been satiating outside of you? Is there something I need to hear from somebody else that that I'm seeking their approval instead of yours? God, I'm fasting so that I change. I know I can't change you. We are not pagans. We're sons and daughters. Seek first his kingdom, then all these things will be added unto you. That this is the secret of why I flow so strong in deliverance, why I flow so strong in healing, because I don't seek signs. I seek the Savior. It's always been about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. Jesus is worthy if I get healed and he's worthy if I don't get healed. He's worthy when I'm blessed and he's worthy in poverty. He's worthy when everybody loves me and he's worthy when everybody hates me. He's worthy, he's worthy, he's worthy. And my ultimate posture is a posture of worship because he's worthy. Stand to your feet with me. You know, I get a little discouraged because sometimes I see these people who are so quick to go after this ministry and this ministry and this ministry, so quick to tap on this word and they wanna hear this word and this word and this word. But don't don't ask yourself, how do I feel after I heard it? 
Ask yourself, who did I become after I heard it? See, preaching isn't about how you feel. That's soulish realm preaching. Preaching is about what it does to you. And so when I get up here and talk to you, I'm not saying, how can I make them feel? I'm, I'm saying, God, who do you want them to become? And how can I release this word in such a way that they become who you want them to become? You know, sometimes if we could see in the natural who people are in the spiritual realm, we wouldn't even be an argument. There's some people that are only two years in the faith. And if you could see them spiritually, you would see a little toddler in a diaper, poop in their diaper, and you'd say, why am I listening to them? Sometimes what we've got to do is increase in our maturity. And then there's some people who say, well, I've been in the faith for 25 years. And I would say, yes, but did you repeat the same year 25 times? Because that makes you only one year in the faith. Trying to help you, y'all. I'm trying to help you. If my goal is to make you clap, I know everything to make you clap. If my goal is to make you cry, I know how to make people cry. My goal is to make you like Christ. My goal is to make you like Jesus. My goal is to make you complete in your faith. My goal is to make you carry weight in the spiritual realm. There's people who are popular but not influential because everybody knows them but the demons. Everybody knows them but God. They're popular in the world, but they carry no influence in the kingdom. And I don't want to raise up a church that's popular. I want us to be influential in the things of the spirit that when we come into a town, a village or a city, the demons start to tremble and say, they're going to dethrone us in this region. These people know how to pray. These people know how to stay in unity. These people know how to invest. We're going to carry some weight. And by the way, for those of you saying, well, why do we have to go to a stadium? This is a little, you know, historic side note. Go to Acts chapter 12 and Paul is speaking in a stadium to the Ephesians. Now, listen, I believe that we, Americans have become like Ephesians and I believe that God will open up venues big enough to make a statement to all of them, to bring strongholds down, to cast demons out, to correct bad theology. I don't believe that this stadium event is like just another Christian concert with preaching. I believe it's like Acts chapter 12, where God's gonna send a Paul into that stadium to give a message to the Ephesians to say, it's time to stop being pagan and it's time to start being sons and daughters. That's why, we're, that's why we're going to the stadium. And let me just tell you, the thing that really hit me the most is I feel like I've been rowing this boat and, and the shoreline was called normalcy. The shoreline was called Signorelli and Dabs. Those are the, the names, that's where I come from. That's my lineage. And, and there, you know, when you have a problem, you drink alcohol until you pass out. When, there, when you have a problem, you smoke weed till you get so high, you stop feeling the pain. There, you get divorced and you just keep trying to get remarried and hope it'll work out. And I got in this little boat called the kingdom. And I started rowing that boat away from that shore and said, I can't live like that. There's gotta be another way. I wanna go on a journey with Jesus. And Jesus is looking at me and I'm in this boat rowing. He said, son, keep going. I'm gonna lead you to another place. And sometimes you get far enough where you can't see the shore anymore and nothing, there's no normalcy. Some of you made a decision 
that you are not gonna live like those who came before you. And it's a bold decision. And I honor you for that decision. But just know that Jesus is in this boat. And for some of you, the shoreline passed away and you said, man, I'm really in it now. This church scares my family. Pastor Mike scares my family. Well, I'm scaring my own family. Welcome to the club. I don't know what I'm doing. I signed up for reoccurring giving. I can't believe I'm giving this much money to the church. I got my hands lifted like I just don't care in the air. You know, it's like you, you go, I don't know what I'm doing, Lord. Lord, what am I doing, God? I, got, I look stupid and I hope this is all true. I hope this is all real, God. Let me tell you, keep rowing that boat. Keep going to the deep. That's why I read Psalm chapter 42. It says deep calls to deep. Let's go out to the deep water where it's unrecognizable, where it doesn't look anything like being an American anymore. Keep rowing that boat. I know it seems lonely. I know it seems discouraging at times. I know nobody understands, but keep going because it's all real. It's all true. It's all real. It's all true. Jesus Christ is the only truth. He is truth with a capital T. When you made the decision to serve him, you made the most important decision. You saved your soul for eternity with a yes. So people aren't gonna understand why you give that much, why you serve that much, why you show up to church. It ain't gonna make sense to them. But there's gonna come a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ. And if they don't understand on this side, they're gonna understand on the other side. I don't wanna be the church at Ephesus. I don't wanna be a pagan. I don't want to be a Gentile. I don't want to be a legalistic Jew in the first century. I want to be a believer. So here's what we're going to do. This is, this is the heart of Ephesians chapter one, is we are going to all pray right now and just yield and surrender to him. And I gave you a little bit of a sneak preview into chapters two, three, four, like we're going there. It's just going to keep on getting better. But I wanna do something across every location. If you, if the entire time I was talking, you're like, man, I think that I've never truly received salvation. I, I think I've, I've literally been trying to earn God's favor as if I could earn God's favor. Like, I, I, think, I think I'm caught up in that, Pastor Mike. I think, I, think it, I think probably my Christianity is Catholicism. How many Hail Marys do I have to do? Who, where's the confession box? Who do I have to tell? It's like you're still, it's just, you just change from one formula to the other formula. Now I listen to Elevation Worship and Bethel and Hillsong. Now I give in the offering. Like I, I used to give to a statue. Now I give to the offering. I'm still, I'm still caught up in a formula. I don't know that I've ever walked past that veil into the Holy of Holies and met my father. If that's you, just raise your hand. There's a couple people, I see you. I see you across every location, I see you. Because when I sat down and read Ephesians, I felt like I got saved again. I don't know how to explain it. It renewed the joy of my salvation. And I said, man, all this stupid garbage on the internet, grown men fighting each other. Everybody's uh, calling each other out, all this church politics, everybody, you know, it's all a function of ego. 
Who's, oh, I figured it out. Oh no, I figured it out. No, I do it better. Come on. How do you read the book of Ephesians and keep talking that way? I want to go low. While the world is trying to ascend higher, I want to go lower. I just want to go lower. I don't, and that's what I'm, who wants to go lower with me? I just, I just, I want to be known for that. While they're all trying to lord over each other, their rightness, I want to receive his righteousness. So for those that lifted your hands and for everybody else who did this a while ago, we're going to just pray for that. God would renew the joy of our salvation as a church. We're going to go back into the fast, get, get back on it. And I just want to encourage you. You're going to learn in this next season what it means to have a father on the deepest levels you've ever learned it. Because a father wants to give you good things. A father wants to heal, wants to restore. Come on, bring, bring this man right here. Come on, come here, come here. Come here and just hold my hand because the Lord's doing something. the love of the father I just felt him just literally breathing on you right now you're going to know the love of the father like you've never known it like you've never known it there's some things that you let him heal and there's some things that you haven't let him heal and the Lord says I'm going to heal all of it now I'm coming in for the rest he's finishing a process he's finishing a process father I thank you for supernatural healing right now from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Yeah, this is your head. This isn't Mike Signorelli. This is the Lord. The Holy Spirit told me, grab you and make time because he sees you just like a son. Oh yeah, you matter. There's favor on you. So Father, I thank you right now for supernaturally healing and touching and finishing a work on the inside of them, God, that you would complete the thing that you started. And even in this next season, carry him over, God. That's what the Lord just showed me. He's carrying you over a threshold. You've always carried other people. You've always been the strong one. And the Lord says, I'm picking you up, mijo. He says, now I'm carrying you. I feel it. Wow. Father, more. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there it is. Woo, when you took that breath, I felt a burden come off of you right now. Wow. Yeah, the Lord's carrying you. He's strong. He's strong. Come on, just stay there. Stay there. Come on, let's all just lift up holy hands. God's doing something real deep. Father, I thank you for saving, for delivering. Would you all just repeat after me? Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for righteousness through Jesus. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Increase my faith to receive more. And I trust you with my life, with my family, with my finances with my whole life, and I surrender it to you now. Come on, in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, just sing this out in worship. Come on, just sing this out. Come on. You can have it all, God.